Hello and welcome to the Artist Contemporary Podcast, the podcast that champions contemporary artists, curators and galleries. Listen each week to hear me, Anna Woodward, speak to a different person about their experiences, their practice and what they're currently up to within the contemporary arts. Hello and welcome to the Ask Contemporary podcast. Today I'm joined by Joe Kitchen. Um, Joe, please could you introduce your practice? Of course. Um, so I'm predominantly a painter. I work very small scale, very large scale, large canvas, kind of. I work small scale on paper mainly. Um, I mainly work with acrylic. I use a lot of collage, a lot of texture within my work and the ideas kind of surrounding my work are kind of based around the idea of like hyper romanticism so the idea of like taking an object a moment a space a time and kind of elevating that to or obsessing over it i guess and elevating it to a sort of hyper romanticized status and then i in how like the mind begins to like abstract an image and how that then translates onto canvas and the sort of conversation that begins to happen between the mind and the act of painting I guess like the memory yeah definitely I think with your works you because I listened we were talking a minute ago about your life of occupied yeah and the idea of like the everyday and the way you use color and abstraction yeah to push it forward and kind of push it beyond the domestic but then I think sometimes in your work you can see shapes which you're like oh could that be a table or I really like it on Instagram when you do um like your drawings or your collage or painting and then you swipe and you can see what your reference image is yeah that's like a really recent thing though because like I've only I think we're talking at a really nice point as well where my work's just kind of flowing into more I I say figurative in like the loosest term possible Mm. because I don't think you could even really see a figure within my work look like you say swipe and see the the photo i've been working with like film um photos recently because i've I've been developing loads of film and i think they're really nice like starting points and it's like the the sort of conversation between like a film photo and the way that i work that's so impulsive and the act of taking a photo which is so impulsive especially on film you can't like retake that same thing um i've been finding that really nice and I never really paint from reference either. Mm. So it's all from, from memory. So yeah, that's like a completely new new like direction I'm going in now. Yeah. Do you think you'd ever be interested in like an exhibition where you kind of displayed them as a diptych with the with your painting drawing against the film photography? I think no, I've been thinking about that quite a lot. And I think if I carry on doing this, I think that would be a really nice, nice direction yeah. to go even like with like the still life stuff it'd be quite nice to see like the reference points from from them do you know what I mean so um yeah no definitely yeah no I completely relate to that in the sense with my works I make these collages and then I paint them and like the collages will be full of bodies and color and cloth and like sea mountains and then when you get to my painting there is none of that but (laughs) I was with um an artist called Rafa the other day because we were hanging a show at my studio and I was showing him my work and he was like, oh, wait, I now can see it almost like contours. Yeah, the abstract yeah. work. And I think it's really interesting when abstract artists share what is their inspiration or reference, because you may look at it without the reference and be like, shit, this is crazy. Like, 
what is this but then when you have yeah. the reference you can see the process more yeah and like where these lines and like these shapes have come from because I mainly like even with like working from memory or working from reference I think you're still pulling like for me I just pull shapes yes. out I don't pull out like like certain or things that are really like not photorealistic that's the worst <laughs> word to use because my work is so far from that <laughs> I was gonna like, say, like I'm not trying to <laughs> I'm not trying to represent anything I guess is what I'm saying in in like a literal term mm. it's more taking these things and then um like pulling the shapes out and that's how you get the the image yeah it's almost like when you put the two together you can't you get that understanding and almost like the instructions on how to understand the artist's painting language yes yes definitely yeah I feel that yeah so what do you think's the biggest inspiration behind your practice I think see, I was thinking about this and I'm like I think what it is is the idea of memory or like the idea of experience I don't necessarily think there's one particular thing that inspires it mm. it's like I take inspiration from a lot of music actually a lot of writing poetry um like we're going to probably go on to talk about my textual works in a bit but like all these things kind of inform my work in in a really loose um and not so direct way um but I think the main thing is like hyper romanticism and and zooming and obsessing over something. I think um, that's what those like thought pro like that thought process and those um, moments are what inspire my work. Yeah, I think. Do you find you then end up working quite often in series, and um, when you're yeah. like fascinated on one kind of moment or memory, and that creates a whole yeah. body of work? definitely like I've just finished like I just finished a body of work which was just a load of chairs and um that was um that was actually mainly from another point of like inspiration I was like reading M Train by Patti Smith and it's basically a book about how do you begin to write about nothing and she kind of zooms in on these like really lovely moments in between like life coffee and art but yeah. like um you don't necessarily acknowledge but within that moment they're so important and so like um I can't think of the word but yeah they're so important to that moment um and she goes to the same cafe every single day she sits in the same seat every single day and she like writes and she she drinks coffee and she eats and she does that over a number of years and then like when the coffee like the cafe shuts she then like asks if she can take this table and chair because she noticed like how important and nostalgic and sentimental those two objects were to that whole experience so over a number of years and that kind of inspired me with the chair, like the body of work of chairs, because then it's like um, it's it's then taking an object and making it redundant of its previous function, I guess, because now it is just a sentiment and it is just like a nostalgic thing, not necessarily like something to sit on or write at. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of reminds me um, when I spoke to Kate Berling, we were talking about a lot of her works about finding the stillness and the pause yeah. in a domestic environment. And I think your work, how you're saying how you were kind of inspired Patti Smith and how she's focused on the chair and the table, it's the stillness of the process. Yes. And the fascination and just kind of removing everything that's around you and all the energy and movement and just focusing on that one thing. And it's amazing how you can take such a simple thing like a chair and table and it caused so much inspiration and the whole creation of a body of work yeah yeah I think that's with most things I do it is it does derive from one 
specific object or one certain thing and then I focus on that for like a number of paintings a number of works but yeah do you ever get to a point where you're kind of like I've had enough of the chair I need to refresh and find something (laughs) new to look at yeah I think it's it was quite nice it's usually um I don't know with that one it was quite nice because I had it for something so I I created that little book with soon be dead in Brooklyn and it was nice to collate a body of work or if you have a show it's nice to then show a body of work and I think that's when you get to a point where you then move on from it because it's like I've done that now like that's that's done um and then you can sort of drive your like practice in a completely different direction or or move on to another similar thing but um without that I don't know if I'd have gone straight on to like how it kind of jumped to then like figurative works and all this stuff I found another thing that inspired that that practice like part of my practice um I don't know if it would have happened so quickly if I didn't have it collated in something Mm. yeah Um, I think there's something sometimes really interesting about from like an artist's point of view when you're making work to be in something but you know like this painting is going to go into this exhibition it's going to be made into a zine into a book or yeah. I'm submitting it for this open call, or you're just in your studio making work for your own kind of self-development and you don't know what's going to happen to it. Yeah. And it's like, it's, I think with that as well, you can get so lost when you don't have these things because mm. you've got so much, so much you could do or so much you can focus on. I think those are the times that are so productive for my practice actually, but like at the same time, it is a really difficult thing to work through when you're literally just making and and trying to solve these kind of these problems or or realize what you're kind of going to go on to next yeah I think there's also a thing which I think people are starting to speak about a lot more is the affordability of making work when you don't know what it's going to go and what it's going to be if it's just going to sit in your studio because materials are expensive they cost a lot that's literally it. I I think that's mainly one of the reasons why like I've started working on paper so much mm-hmm. because I got to a point where I was buying rolls of canvas and I was creating these works and especially during lockdown it's like there was no end point. Like yeah. now there's things are starting to like re- like happen again like galleries starting to like slowly open like do shows and stuff. But at that time I was it's it's quite awful actually when I think back to it. But I was just painting over paintings because as my work developed, I'd be then like, oh, I don't need, I don't like that anymore, yeah. and paint over it. And that's some like some of my paintings are so thick, full of paint because they're literally probably three paintings underneath that. But that's purely for the fact it's like storage. I have nowhere to like keep making like huge canvases, and also like the idea of. I don't know there's no need to like you said waste materials like that yeah and I think it's that thing like every artist has that dream of being prolific and being able to just make mountains and mountains of work and just have so much but it comes to a point I think especially at the emerging earlier early year contemporary whatever you want to like call it I know some people like have problems with some terms yeah but you have to calculate being like how much can I afford to make for this year because at the end of it I'm gonna have to store it if it doesn't sell and it's hard like I've I'm going back to City Hills in September for my master's and I've got like four big stretches in my studio and I've ordered enough canvas for that and I'm like that's going to be the end of my like in between year between my BA and master's and at the moment I'm planning like those four big paintings are going to be the last ones I make for the year and then I will just make smaller works 
that's quite nice in a way though I think I it's nice to like plan it like that I think I'm just so impulsive that like if I was to limit myself to four paintings by the end of the I would like I wouldn't know like I wouldn't know how to use it I think it would stress so much (laughs) see that's I'm doing that that's I've got that I've got those four to do until August yeah so it's still I feel like it's quite a good amount of oh time. you're I remember seeing a, a painting of yours the other day actually and I when you say big scale like huge mm. yeah I'm well one of them's two by 1.5 and then the other three I think they're smaller they're like one by 130 so they're like one big what and then two mediums three mediums yeah um but I was just kind of thinking like I'm with my masters next year I want to make massive paintings but that, having that space as well like and the studio space I I think that's like it's so nice that you've got that to look forward to yeah and I think it's made this year a lot easier in the sense that I've kind of had that I've been so fortunate that I've had time to really put into the arts contemporary but I've also I've known that with the pandemic pandemic lockdown like furlough everything I have had an endpoint. yeah that I'm working towards which I think has been a real saver in the sense if I knew that like this was it and I'm now <laughs> in the big wide world I would probably uh, I don't know lose my mind no honestly that was literally the same with me though because I kind of had an end point in the fact that I was like when this is all over I'm gonna go off to Paris I'm gonna um do my own kind of little residency with my friend who's a poet and I was like that just keeps getting pushed back because by like the like when we first discussed it, it was going to be our oh, April. And now it's yeah. like, oh, it probably won't happen until August, September. And there's still that point of like, I know that I'm going, I know there's going to be a change of scenery. Like my practice will probably develop like huge amounts, hopefully whilst yeah. I'm out. But it still is that like, this whole thing has just been kind of exhausting us. <laughs> Definitely. And I think it's also from having now, we're pretty much at a year now of lockdown isolation yeah there's been periods of time when we've been out of it but it's so important I think if you can make that end point where you you are going to have a drastic change yeah to kind of break up this continuous cycle of the same thing yeah (laughs) definitely because otherwise I think we'll all lose the world to live and like you need to be creatively inspired and still motivated to still want to make work Definitely. And I think that's the thing, especially like as a lot of my work is inspired by moments and experiences. And it's like when you're literally by yourself most days for a year, it's like mm-hmm. where do and I think that's why I kind of pulled out, started to pull out photographs. So I'm like, it then takes you back to that moment or that yeah. and you kind of can kind of like gauge a sort of memory or or feeling or obsession from that instead of having to physically experience it now because like we're not experiencing it yeah <laughs> you noticed, do you see a change in your work from when you work like directly from a memory in your mind to when you kind of work from a memory in a photograph yes yeah, I think it's almost got a lot more abstracted yeah. <laughs> like before it was when I look at some of the paintings like even the chair series that that's even like that was from memory of 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 different chairs I never looked from references I just created them from my mind kind of thing and now it's like because I have a point I think like we were saying earlier how you can grab different shapes and grab different things and like move them about and place them I think that works I think it's working better for me I think my I'm I'm enjoying my work a lot more from that but there definitely has been a Mm. massive shift like I see that 
surprisingly from working from more of a reference point they're becoming a lot more abstract yeah it's yeah. really interesting because I think some people would kind of think the opposite that when you have something physically yeah. in front of you being like this is what I'm looking at that you would be more literal than the memories yeah I thought I'd be I literally thought that would happen with me and then once I started painting and I'm I usually don't predetermine anything that happens on the canvas I don't really draw it out beforehand I don't do anything I don't pick colors I just go for it it's very like an impulsive act um I thought exactly like I thought the same and that these are quite well because how would you describe your use of color because I'd say from looking at your works you a lot of yellow black blue on white backgrounds it's quite like the prominent colors and themes coming through yeah I think they're mainly the colors that I'm just drawn to generally and they I it's not even like a, like I made that as a decision it's just they're the one the paint like colors that end up ha- like um oh, I can't think of the word <laughs> <laughs> like end up just happening on the canvas kind of yeah thing. um but I think a lot of my the color use is is very bold and very bright um and I think with the texture as well, it when you see them in person, I think it works quite well using those colours when there's so much texture behind. Um, but yeah, what's your process in building up texture? Is it something you kind of plan to do and you really like prepare your surfaces, or is it definitely just a part of the process in the making? Yeah, no, I think it's a part of the process in the making of it because, like, I had a background in sculpture, which was like predominantly paper mache based, um, towards third year anyway. Before that, it was kind of like um appropriating different objects but I think it was like the tangibility and the activeness of creating those sculptures and then that naturally when as soon as I started painting that just came into it and it's kind of creating shapes as well like we were saying before but like with like being able to see it physically Mm. on the canvas and then over it and and the nice pieces of collage you can get that you probably wouldn't be able to recreate the the texture or like what's on it if you didn't like I don't know it's it's kind of like a jigsaw in a way I I see it yeah like building up and seeing what works well and it is it all is just impulsive for sure and then how did you go from working in sculpture to then working in painting I think it was mainly like the lack of space I had so I had a really tiny studio in Hackney and I was kind of sharing it with it wasn't just an artist studio so it was like fashion there's like some fashion students and like people there there was like a guy that was doing some produce like music producing it wasn't just um an art-based um studio um and it kind of got to the point where I was so messy with the way I work anyway but making huge sculptures in a tiny space (laughs) just wasn't ideal and so I started to try and get my ideas out in a different way and then that kind of just naturally was like from drawing to then painting and then now it's just predominantly my practice from since then um but also then my dad's a painter I come from like a family of 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 people that have paint like that paint um so I think it was always I was always going to go back to it I think yeah it was just a matter of time space (laughs) yeah I think that's the problem with being working 3d in london is that material costs are expensive but studios and space are even more so it's even harder to store 3d work than it is a painting 
that's literally it I am um, I think I ended up destroying most of the things I made in that studio I kept like one or two but even then it's like they were relatively big and it's like where where did you put these things yeah it's so hard like and I think that's the thing when you think about it is like studio costs are a lot and then it's like do you want to pay for a storage unit on top of that <laughs> absolutely no. not and like rent that's another thing like when I was like it working in London trying to pay my rent doing like a full-time job at a pub and then also having to pay for my studio and then also like having to pay for just life it's like how do you do you begin to afford all these yeah, things it's it's so mm. much like and I think it's something that isn't spoken enough about when you're studying it's just you're given this idealized idea that you're just going to come up you're going to graduate you're going to picked up by a gallery and it's just all going to be fantastic <laughs> that's not it can be more opposite than that I remember just like literally getting thrown in like like now I have to get a job I have to pay my rent and then you start you get a job and the two days you have off you have to try and force creativity yeah. out of you which isn't how I work at all so that was also like when you're used to being in a studio all day every day as well and then going from having to like split your time up and I guess people will listen to this probably be like that's just life yeah. <laughs> but like as a creative it's kind of it is difficult when you've been so selfish with mm. your time at uni to then having to share it and you just end up hating the job you're yeah. in and, and just despising everything um and then even when you go to the studio you might not even feel like you're exhausted and it's the guilt like you don't you then have being like yeah I should be making am I not good enough to have this career yeah. because I'm not making yeah and and you that's the thing it's it's a very very weird yeah. time when you uni. and it's like I feel like only now which I've been graduated for three years I think it must be nearly three and a half um only now have I have I started to just work fully on my practice it's like between then I was like trying to juggle everything mm. figure it out and no one discussed literally no one discussed it and I'm like why haven't I heard people like artists talk about and this, this thing I tried to as like the Ask Contemporary's grown and I always try and want to come across that it's expanding into lots of different territories now but I always wanted to be it's an artist run project platform whatever yeah. and I try like whenever I like starting a podcast whatever I've spoken about like I have a job I do work because I think there's also you see on social media and you're like wow like I see it I just think all these artists don't have jobs and they just live off their practice that's and I'm just like and then you feel so shit because you see like our support pledges it's like sold 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 and I'm like I'm going to work (laughs) I I don't hate my job I shouldn't say that I like my job it's good um yeah plus doing like my own practice and the Ask Contemporary which I get is fully my decision to do that and I absolutely love doing the Ask Contemporary and it fulfills my practice so much but it's just I think like social media doesn't help but it's just this you think everyone else around you is doing so well and you're like why and then occasionally you then hear them talk about their part-time job or whatever they're doing you're just like oh wow I had no idea not that you would really but like I had zero idea I thought you were literally just and it gives a false like perception of of what the art world really is because there's some like even like mid-career artists that are still like hustling yeah. on the side and, and I don't think it should be something that it should be ashamed of because it's like you have to pay the like you have to pay your rent and like fair play that you're doing both at the same yeah. time Do you know what I, I mean? think also with um an art career it's 
it's not a consistent income so you could have three months where you sell 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 um but like in two months time you could not sell anything for six months and that could just be because you're developing your practice or just because shows haven't been on or whatever but I think like for me it's something I think about a lot is when when do you give up the side job when are you I feel like it's when you have to have loads of savings and it's something I need to get better at see that was that was my thing I was obviously I was living in London I was working a job and then my only thing was like if I went home I wouldn't have to pay as much rent I could focus on my work my practice fully and I gave myself kind of like a year and a half I was like if you're not selling work by then like you've got to like go back to London get a job kind of thing and and try and do it on the side again but now it's like things are, are starting to but you have to make those sacrifices I think like if you can or or it's just I don't know I don't know I think it would take me years and years and years to like if I was still in London yeah. having to pay rent like even begin to sell work because to develop work even you have to be like working on your practice quite a lot to to get it to a good point especially as I wasn't I had been painting before I was like mainly doing sculpture mm. to to get to a point where you're happy with your work enough for it to kind of sell whatever um you have to be working on it quite a lot I yeah. think and I think you definitely it's also a thing you have to have a body of work yeah and it's that stage of kind of building up body work and then like in my head which I kind of I think I've definitely learned in past couple months being once you have a body of work in stock when an exhibition comes up it's like oh I have this to submit rather than the yeah. rolling panic of being like I need to make something I need to make something I haven't got anything or yeah doing that and it's just it's all a learning curve and I think I've been incredibly lucky that for this year I've the majority of the year now I've been on furlough from my job which has meant I've been able to put so much time into yeah. my own practice and the arts contemporary without having that worry and being able to just be like I mean some months my fellow payment has been so low um <laughs> because like the rolling averages and the way it works but yeah it's such a luxury position to be in I think yeah definitely that's why as well with the whole lockdown situation it's it's I feel like it's been an ease for me purely because there's no pressure of like do you know how like people have like like at our age like careers or like real jobs and all this stuff and I was like I'm just coming home all my friends have brought houses and like doing stuff and I was like I'm just coming home to live with my parents so I don't have to pay as much rent and I feel like I'm not necessarily that's the thing like you I because I enjoy doing it I don't necessarily see it as a job so I felt like I was just sat at home painting as like a little hobby do you know what I mean (laughs) so it's like it took that kind of pressure off of me because everyone was at home yeah and everyone was doing that and like any success or like any like thing that I did that I was like ah like I've got into a show or I've done this it's like it felt a lot better I didn't have to prove myself Mm, I think definitely yeah how do you think as you mentioned before that your father's a painter how do you think that's kind of influenced yourself and your own understanding of being an artist um I don't know I think it's it's just being brought up around that kind of environment and having someone there that understands what it is you're trying to do because I can imagine if you didn't have that and I and my parents weren't into art or didn't really understand how the art world kind of worked, I think it would be a lot more difficult for me to prove that as well. Um, I don't know. I think I think with just the way 
even just seeing his work and seeing seeing like the texture that he uses or like stuff like that I think that all kind of feeds into my work in a little in a in a sense um it's just been nice growing up with that yeah I think. when you were younger you kind of this sounds really cliche but did you know that you wanted to go into art I think yeah which also sounds like I'm like ridiculous like I'm just saying that but I, I remember literally doing even this like this little painting in like in in first school and being like oh this is yeah this is what I want like I enjoy yeah. doing this um and then ever since then I think just because of being around it so much I knew I knew that that's where I wanted to go with it um yeah yeah definitely I always find it so funny when you're I um found when I was younger like all my sketchbooks stuff when I was like 10 like really young not just like child stuff and obviously when you do stuff when you're a 10 year old you're like this is fucking great this is so good and then you look at it and you're like uh yeah what have you done and so what do you think influences your use of scale and why are you drawn to working on paper as a part of your process I think as well with our generation of artists I think we've started making it like normal to work on paper to be like a thing like you can classify that as a work and it's not just a drawing or a sketch or a collage that then will work up to a bigger piece like it's just as valued and just as um involved and I think I've only realized that the past year and I was doing a load of sketchbook works and being like these are really messy and really nice because I wasn't like being precious about it because it's just a piece of paper I could throw it away Mm -hmm. if I wanted and then it was from doing them and then trying to transfer that onto canvas and being like I, why can I not just have that as a work and then so I started working on paper through that and I've predominant at the minute I think I'm mainly working on paper actually but then um as well there's the other side of my of the spectrum where I'm working on quite huge paintings which I also enjoy I think what is difficult is the the in-between for me yeah like that's where I struggle it's not the big or it's not the small it's like the in-between size that I'm like I don't know I find it really difficult to to create a composition within that that weird middle space yeah I think that's the thing like I do like works on paper small but I find painting small really hard yeah and I find I don't have enough space yeah I think yours are your like you're like two massive extremes yeah. aren't you? there's like the huge 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 on canvases and then and then working small I can imagine it's it's more difficult like I, I think I watched an interview and I heard Florence talk about that how she was like had to do the work on a postcard and she was like I found it so difficult to to create that small after and it almost took her longer than a than a bigger piece and it's like that's sometimes just the case of it isn't it like you're just not used to to working on that scale yeah. therefore it just so much more difficult yeah definitely it's like I always I went for stage a couple of months ago being like I need to have a collection of smaller works like I need this in my like catalogue whatever and then they're just in a pile like unfinished in my studio because I'm just like no I can't deal with these I've just like (laughs) turned them away I'm like give me a big painting then I'm fine yeah yeah it's, it's fun isn't it scale like completely changes the way as well like with Instagram it gets so filtered through that like you can't tell anything like I don't think anyone could tell the scale or size of any of my things because it's not in like context to something else so 
it's it I but then I kind of like that because then you go to a show and you see the artist's work and you're like wow like I did not expect it to be that big or like that small and I think there's an element of surprise that I quite like when you see someone's work filtered through Instagram and then when you see it in real life which is why I can't wait for shows to be back <laughs> I know I can't wait to see art in person honestly I'm like, I feel like I've kind of I've been lucky enough that I've been curating and installing shows throughout lockdown yeah um so I've been having little snippets but just to be able to go out to see work and with scale I think someone who's an absolute master of scale and playfulness is Plum Cloutman Cloutman oh yeah yeah I saw her some of her works are tiny aren't they're so small she's on my like I have a massive list of people I want to buy (laughs) I have no money um (laughs) eventually actually um and I was looking on artsy the other day because one five five a gallery have some consigned and i was like looking at them and i was like wait that's six centimeters which is tiny but then you look on her instagram and it looks like they could be like one meter paintings yeah it is it is so funny when you when you don't know know the scale of something and then you find out it it completely changes your your idea of it as well i think and then like the impact of it yeah i also have this kind of obsession in my mind at the moment is taking like small works and obviously like floating frames and having a big frame in them yeah the kind of like grandeur of like the framing and the I can't think of the words but and then to have this really kind of tiny work in yeah that draws you in I think is super playful yeah I think so yeah I think it's good though that this kind of I mean I'm someone who works big but I think the like acceptance of working on paper and working small and actually small is just as important and powerful yeah as making not... big paintings and it's valuable because I think there is this tendency to be like if I make big works I'll make big money yeah and that's not the case at all no and I think but... there will become more I think you're, we're seeing it now but with prices things are starting to even out yeah with Definitely skit with it not just being like oh you're just a work on paper artist like you're only going to be able to make this much yeah and that isn't the case at all I don't think especially not now when it's like papers being valued a lot more than say like 10 20 years ago yeah I think it's also it's like it's a really good when I think that's what our support pledge has been good is kind of making it accessible to start collecting from other artists a hundred percent like I even managed to I think in the first half of lockdown I managed to get a painting from Danny Danny Romerall I got one from like Tracy Slater um and they're such like reasonable price works like I remember looking at his work for ages and being like I would like die for a painting of his and then suddenly it's like oh I can like now afford that like and it's smaller but it's just as incredible as like his bigger works and it's like before you would never really see that I don't think um and and since then it, yeah everything's just more accessible and I think it's that's a really a really positive thing that's happened especially during lockdown yeah and it has financially supported so many artists I think there is this is kind of like a controversial opinion of mine <laughs> but I think our support pledge is amazing but it's not you don't want it then to limit artists that in the long run like I think galleries are important for selling work yes I, th- I think there is you can sometimes go slightly other way in the sense that if you 
why would you go to a gallery and buy that piece when I know that I could go on your Instagram and buy for 200 pounds yeah I think there's definitely that but then there's also I think it was nice at the beginning like I don't think I've sold anything through the that since the beginning of the first lockdown but I remember that was the first time I'd sold work like I'd sold a painting Mm. and it gave me that confidence that like oh people do like like want to buy my work and it's kind it's nice in that sense that like when you're too you have no idea how to go about selling your work or there's no galleries that you're working with or whatever like it's a nice way to to begin that process and gain the confidence that you need to be like oh like people do want to buy this stuff yeah I think it's like the way I think about it in the first lockdown it was a lifeline it's yeah. stopped people like going on universal credit and yeah from, it gave people an income and it was amazing but I also think don't allow it to become your whole career yeah of selling solely like, through Instagram and solely for us because also for us Portbledge you're capped at 200 yeah which is also tricky when actually a lot of works that you see, they're worth so much more. Yeah, I, that's the thing. That's why I was quite like, I, as soon as I saw like one of Danny's works, I was like, yes. Yes, it's sweet. <laughs> like, I can get that. Um, no, I fully get what you're saying though. Yeah. So you also make monoprints, which use more kind of text. Um, how like, would you describe this area of your practice? See, at the beginning, these were just kind of things that I was doing and not really sharing them. I was just I was just writing for the sake of writing and to get my ideas down in a more direct way. So then I could probably create some imagery from that. Um, and now it's like since I think it's, it's just simply the fact of it becoming a mono, like the text becoming a monoprint that it's suddenly like, oh, this is like this is a part of my practice because it's like an art now (laughs) even though writing is so valid in that um it just felt for me like having it visually and like I created that do you know what I mean like I didn't just type it on my laptop and then like yeah whatever um and now yeah they've it's kind of crept into my work and and I'd say that is like if not like one of like a big part of my my practice now um but yeah these all these piece of text usually came from like a drunken state of mind or like something that's like so over the top and it's quite nice because even though these are so direct to a personal experience or something that's like I've thought about when I'm drunk or a conversation when like we've been drinking it kind of like when I put them out there there's so many people that have messaged being like this is so funny because like I can relate to this even though I've literally used things that they definitely didn't use in that conversation but they can relate to the the situation do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean it's also um, kind of accepting the humour within the work. Yeah, which is funny. I don't think, I think that's what creates the humour is the fact that people can relate to these situations because I don't think I set out with an intention to to create these as humorous things. It was just like the idea of like, that was my thought process yeah. in the most dramatic way possible. Like, what yeah. if this is romance? <laughs> like, just me, like, smoking a cigarette, drinking, like, like Stella. <laughs> I think it's also, it's the going back to the idea of like the handwritten and the monoprint it brings in this real kind of like human immediacy to it that I think people can relate to and they can see that you've written it you haven't like typed like you're saying typed it into your laptop it's that kind of 
humanness isn't a word but and so you know what I mean yeah like piece which kind of pushes it into the art form yeah and it's it's the idea you can see like especially with monoprints and I like I think a lot of people that do print as as like their main part of their practice I think will be like horrified by this (laughs) I love seeing like where my hand like the like fingerprints I love seeing like the marks I love seeing like all of that I'd never get rid of that and have like a clean monoprint I love the fact you can see human touch within it and because and sorry because they're so like personal as yeah. well they, they've come from such like an intimate like thought process I think that then plays as well with all these like elements of touch within it and like the the handwrittenness of it mm. I think those kind of saying like the fingerprints and stuff they're important it just and I think with so many art things it's nothing should be kind of disparage is that the word or like being like oh that's not how you do things yeah it's it's doing it if it fits in the piece yeah definitely and I think as well because that was such an I think that's with like anything though like going from sculpture to painting it was like was there is there there a certain way I should be doing this like and Mm. even now like I'm learning so much still and being like oh maybe like but then it's so personal to your practice as well the 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 way that you begin to create that I think it then doesn't matter does it like if I'm not if I'm painting on these pieces of collage and not gluing them on or doing it in a specific way like that's how I do it and that's that makes my work my work um I'm not just going to go by a rule book because if everyone did that then everyone's (laughs) work would look the same right Um, exactly and ultimately like you need to as an artist you need to make work for yourself first yeah not for other people yeah and and that's the most important thing it's, it's disregarding that like and like getting rid of the idea that you have to learn something as well like mm. I think I was always a bit nervous going into painting because I'm like I was never taught this I never I was never I never learned how to paint but then like does anyone like do you learn anything yeah. school? do you know what I mean like I don't know um I know I didn't but I did sculpture I think that's probably a bit different but um yeah it's the idea of like rejecting it and just doing your own thing yeah see I have this awful habit of I'll find one paintbrush and I will just use that paintbrush for the whole painting <laughs> and like, when I went to the girls they were like Anna you have like use more and I was like but I like this one <laughs> <laughs> this one works so I'm gonna carry on using it and I still do it like and I'll just use the same one like big small marks whatever I'll just use one paintbrush yeah but like if it works for you it works for you you know like there shouldn't be a that like I say shouldn't be a rule book just just do it <laughs> do what makes you happy yeah <laughs> you had it here first yeah. reach that <laughs> so do you have any projects coming up that you would like to mention uh I have a few but I don't know if I I should speak about them yet probably I I don't know it's such uncertain times I don't know if I should wait a little bit um but yeah. I do have a few things I'm working towards and a few things that have just come out actually like with the the book and stuff that I've spent like a few months on um but yeah ho- things things are we're making work for things <laughs> yeah we have one thing we have one thing don't you have which we can I mean this is gonna come out like two days time it's fine and then we'll be announcing everything on the 15th but yeah. you are taking part in the artist dozen yeah. which is curated by myself and Josephine Bailey and it's raising money for charity and it's an auction and there's so many great artists we will be sending everyone the list on Monday yeah I was so excited when you asked me to be a part of that <laughs> I was like, yes. I'm so excited for the list honestly but this is the problem like 
I like curate these things and it ends up just me being like all the people I fangirl and love <laughs> and then when it comes to the works being for sale I'm like I want them all <laughs> obviously I do not have the money to you're buy just them shooting all. yourself in the foot with it but it's it is nice that it's nice that you get to get to do that you can just bring people together in it and I guess yeah it's something that you can create your kind of dream shows with this <laughs> yeah like- I mean I have this I wouldn't say it's a bad habit but I'm when people are like oh but you're so busy the whole time I'm like if I don't have something on I lose my mind yeah so we're now at the end of back-to-back so the last back-to-back launches on Monday yeah and then I have the auction yeah and now I'm already thinking I'm like okay I need something for April what next (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a nice way to be though I think keeps you going yeah I'm definitely I think I'm just not very good at being bored like I need and being still yeah yeah I need to be permanently stressed <laughs> not stressed <laughs> but I always need things to do or I'll just sit there being like the thing happening? is I'm quite bad because like even if I have months to do something I'll still I can guarantee you I'll do it in the last like two days or like day before it's supposed to yeah. be or something like that I'm I'm the worst with with time management <laughs> not much yeah, I'm like good with some things but at the moment I find it so I'm so slow at writing podcast questions and interview questions. And if you literally, the Ask Contemporary inbox on Instagram is me just messaging people being like, I will write it tomorrow, I promise. And they're like, it's fine. Like, <laughs> no rush. Do not rush. And I'm like, but I feel so bad. And they're like, don't worry. <laughs> oh. Okay, so to finish off, are there any people within the contemporary arts at the moment that you think people should follow on social media yeah I literally had I couldn't think of, I was like looking through my Instagram I was like who do I love who do I love and then I came up with three <laughs> so I've got Niall Campbell who I've just he just gave me actually this incredible like work on a blind <laughs> and it's like it's hu- the biggest thing that I've I've ever seen in my life I could to take a photo I had to drape it over my staircase that's amazing and he just gave me that and I was like and his work's incredible and I do you know those people like these are uh, a few people that I just don't think have got like the like attention that they deserve mm-hmm. like you know, just like you're yeah. so incredibly good and like I just don't understand why people haven't seen it yet um so him Dan Stark I think his work's incredible and then Alice I'm gonna butcher this name but Sarah Canal she's like a, a I think she was in Paris she's a French painter um and her work's insanely beautiful i think you would actually really love that yeah i'll check them out send it to me on instagram yeah um and i always look at her work and i'm like you like you need to go like there's something needs to happen (laughs) because your work's like insane um but yeah they're the three that i always look back to and i'm like they're they're incredible they're the main three yeah that's amazing well thank you so much for joining me it's honestly i've had so much fun (laughs) me too thank you for inviting me Thank you so much for listening to the Artist Contemporary podcast. Remember to check out the Artist Contemporary Instagram and to subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all the episodes, artists and exhibitions that are posted on the platform.